Just want to encourage all those new believers here that, uh, you know, you have Pastor Luke, you have Pastor Dave, Pastor Howie, and I really want to encourage you to go to those courses, the experience that they've learned over many, many years. I believe imparted to you is going to be a great blessing and encouragement in your journey of faith. And everybody said amen. If you can go to your text, if you will, we're going to go over to First, uh, uh, First Peter chapter 5. If you'd like to turn over there and get ready, we're going to be going up there in just a moment. Verse number 7, 8, right in that area. And I just want to share a little bit of the background of Peter. How many know Peter is one of the heroes in the Bibles? How many know that? But how many know Peter didn't have the greatest track record? What do you mean by that? Uh, how, many, how many know exactly how many times Peter messed up? Come on. How many? Three times, right? Wrong. How many say four? Wrong. How many say five? Wrong. How many say ten? Remember Jesus, he's on the water, come on now. He said, come on, Peter, come on out there. And then he starts doubting. And then how many know Jesus said, uh, you, you, you need, I'm going to wash your feet. He said, I'm never going to wash your feet. Come on. And then guess what? Jesus said, you can't partake of my life unless I do. And how many know he said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. Okay. And, and guess what? Peter said, no, you're not. Come on. And then the only person in the Bible that I know that Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, is Peter. Okay. So guess what? He messed up 16 times. Okay, 16 times he messed up, and then he mentioned suffer, suffering, sufferist 16 times in his epistle of 1 Peter. Come on, church. And then he mentions glory 16 times. How many know uh, after the mess-ups in our lives, sometimes we write ourselves off after one mess-up or two mess-ups or three mess-ups, but I believe it's divinely put there that he messed up 16 times. And then somebody had it right on the front row over here, but he denied three times over there. And one of the denials, guess what? There was a, a little servant girl that was there, and, and they were warming their hands over there by the fire. And guess what? She saw the shadow of Peter. Is that not right? Come on now. The shadow of Peter said, hey, you're, you're one of those Galileans. You're one of those disciples. He said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And he denied him by the firelight. Is that not right? that actually cast a shadow. You can read that in the Bible. And then guess what? In, in, in the book of Acts chapter 5, verse number 15, it tells us that the shadow of Peter, come on now, they were bringing people on stretchers, bringing people that were lame, and that the shadow of Peter might heal them. Isn't it amazing that his greatest place of pain was the springboard that God used to bring deliverance and healing to the generation? I said all that because as we start today in 1 Peter chapter 5, we've been doing this here series called Adversity Runners Affliction. When we speak of this here, I want to ask another question. How many books are in the Bible? Everybody knows that, right? 48, right? How many books are in the Bible? 66. Everybody say 66. Not 666, 66, come on. Okay, and then guess what else? Guess what else? How many times are the words trouble, the word rescue, the words adversity, the words affliction, how many times are those words used in the Bible? Nobody knows, right? A lot, okay, I heard that. How many, how many have a number that you want to give me? 66, you're, you're, you're close, but you got the tithe, 10. Okay, 10%. 660 references in the scriptures to troubles, to suffering. Come on, church. So if you break that down into 66 books, you know, some have more, some have others. But that's 660 references, 10 in every book. Okay, why has the church, listen very carefully, not understood adversity? Why has the church not understood affliction? Why has the church not understood troubles? Why has this church not understood difficulties, challenges, overcoming, all these different things? Because that's what this series is about. We don't understand that we have a real adversary. And the adversary is not something that we've concocted in our minds as Christians. The adversary is a real person with a real personality. But he's also known in the scriptures as a strategist. 
Okay, in other words, right now in the Ukraine, I'm sure over there with Zelensky and his team over there, whether you're for or against, it's not what it's all about, but they have a war room in there. They have a strategic room over there that they go and they plan what they're going to do, okay? In the same respect, any military person would understand the war room. Pastor Michael in the military would have an understanding of this here where there's strategies that they talk about and weapons that they talk about and places and things that they want to accomplish. So what? So they can keep the enemy in check and that they can overcome the enemy in their lives. So this is where I want to lead into today. In 1 Peter chapter 5, if you want to put it up there in verse number 7, it says, cast the whole or cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And then he goes on and he makes an incredible statement. He says, be sober. Everybody say, be sober. Okay, that's a position term that he wants you to be. Be sober. And then he says to be vigilant. Vigilant is the opposite of lazy. It's the opposite of lethargic. It's the opposite of complacency. It's the opposite of idleness. He said, be vigilant, be sober, and be vigilant. Come on, church. And then he goes and he says, for your adversary. Everybody look at your name and say, your adversary. So according to the word of God, we have an adversary. What is an adversary? An adversary is an opponent that is directly bent on the destruction of his enemy. Come on. It speaks about one who hates you, one that wants to devour you, one that wants to steal from your life, one that wants to paralyze your life, one that wants to cripple your life, one that wants to destroy your life. So if you don't understand this here, you can talk all you want on adversity runners, but if you don't understand the actual aspect of this, we have a real adversary, okay, in the spiritual realm, and understand that the spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. And so oftentimes people, they hear this message, but they don't get it. How do I know that? Because they still argue, they still get in contention, they still get in strife with flesh and blood. And they get mad at one another and bitter at one another and angry at one another because it's not a flesh and blood battle. It says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. How many know spiritual wickedness in high place? Those are not just sayings. Those are real entities. They're real personalities that are out there. And so uh, the Bible says that Satan is a strategist, okay? How do I know that? It says in, 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 uh, in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that to whom you forgive, I forgive, lest Satan get an advantage over us. And the word advantage literally means to overstep his bounds. In other words, there's boundaries in the spirit realm that the enemy can't just overcome, that the enemy can't just jump on your life and make hell of your life. Come on. He, there, there's things that he can do, but there's things that he can't do. He can deceive you. Why? When you get away from the truth. He can tempt you. Come on. But you don't have to yield to his temptation. He can accuse you, but you don't have to receive the accusation that he brings against your mind. Something, something's wrong? Okay. Praise God. This one's okay. So are, are you getting a hold of this right now? So everybody stand up for a moment because I, I haven't started the message yet. I'm just trying to give you an understanding so when we go to the rest of 1 Peter that you have an understanding of where we're at and what we're going to be talking about. Okay? So everybody say that Satan has lures. He strategically set a plan to paralyze, to hinder, to distract to uproot the spirit of God's faith that you have in your life. But listen carefully. You don't have to yield to his lures, to his temptation, to his deception, unto his lies. Is that not right? Amen? Okay, go ahead and be seated. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, this is what this is about, Advers adversity runners, okay? Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, the slanderer, walketh about. Walketh about where? The earth, okay? Then it says, as a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is a roaring lion, but it says he walketh about as a roaring lion. So apparently it's a loud noise that he makes in your mind. 
Okay, if you don't allow noise that, that tries to drown out all the other noises, God's known for speaking to us in the still small voice. And so sometimes when you hear the loud voice, the one that hurries you, the one that rushes you, the one that makes you say things that you don't even think about saying, come on now, anybody ever been there before? Okay, that's exactly what he does. He walketh about as a roaring lion. But he has one goal in mind. Seeking an opening, seeking a door that you're out, out, that he outsmarted you, and now you outstep, and he's over to overstep the bounds that are set up by the blood of Jesus in your life. Now, I can tell you firsthand, I've been there. I understand how this whole thing works. I've yielded at times to the kingdom of darkness, and I, I don't believe that I'm alone. There's probably others that have. How many have ever been tempted and yielded to it? Come on. How many have ever had a hard time forgiving? Okay, how many have ever been betrayed? And how many know when that hits our life, it's like a scourge that hits. And, it's, and, and some people just say, well, you just need to get over it, okay? Well, well, how many know there's a process that we have to walk through, come on, in our forgiveness? And that's okay. It's, it's not, we, we, our, our whole goal is not to forgive from our heads, but to forgive from the depths of our heart. So what I'm trying to get across to you today is that we have an enemy, and he's the adversary. He's the adversary. And he has a strategy and a plan for marriages. He has a strategy and a plan against churches. He has a strategy and a plan against leadership. He has a strategy and a plan against every one of us that's in this room, whether you're new in the faith or whether you're old in the faith. Isn't it amazing that the Bible says whenever the preacher, when Pastor Michael Quinlan, when Stephen, when Brian and, and the other Brian, they all come up here, Luke and all of us, Howie and Dave, when we all speak the word of God to you, how many know that the enemy gets activated? How do you know that? Because the Bible says three out of four of the Gospels, it says Satan comes immediately, what? To steal the seed that was sown in your heart. So there's activity going on right now in the spiritual realm, and you're hearing, yeah, yeah, my wife's not my problem. My husband's not my problem. My kids are not my problem. But there's an enemy that's my problem, and my fight is not flesh and blood, but behind. Come on. So we hear these things. You can rest assured by the time you get to the parking lot, the enemy's out there and he wants to steal from the, what you're hearing today. Okay? He wants to get you distracted on, 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 on where you're going to lunch after the service. He wants you to get distracted on all the things that you have to do. And he's a master at bringing distractions. So the writer goes on now, and I'm, I'm getting over now. I'm going to start the message in about five, seven minutes, all right? Okay, and, and, and so the writer goes and says, to whom you forgive anything, I also forgive, for indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Now, I'm not, I'm not a rocket scientist, but what was the main word that just stuck out? Forgive, okay, you got it. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, this is one of the ways that the enemy will take advantage of you. They said, well, you know what? They talk too much about the devil in that church. Okay, so what you're saying is don't speak about the devil. Don't, and and, and you, you laugh right now, but, but listen, listen very carefully. There was a leaven that the Bible warns us about, and it's called the leaven of the Sadducees. And the Sadducee takes all the supernatural, all the spiritual realm out, and it makes everything normal. It makes everything natural. It makes all the problems that we have in life are natural. And, and so we, 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 we don't talk about the move of the Spirit. We don't talk about the work of the Spirit. We don't talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Come on now. We don't talk about the fruit of... We, 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 don't, we might talk about the fruit of the Spirit a little bit, but we don't get into the personal work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And if you talk about the devil, oh, they, they, they just talk too much about the devil there. But yet the Bible says you're not ignorant of his devices, of his strategy. So if you don't talk about it in church, how are you going to be not ignorant of his devices? And so understanding this here, are you ready? This might blow you away. But according to the researchologist Barna, some 60% of believers don't even believe that the devil's a person. And the same group doesn't even believe that the Holy Spirit is a literal person. So that six out of ten believers that are out there, the devil's got them already hoodwinked. You don't even have to worry about them. And you know, one of the things that I've learned about, that one of the things the enemy hates is when you and I pray in tongues. 
He absolutely hates it out there. And people say, well, I, I just feel uncomfortable when you get... Well, if you've been in the presence of God, you can't even put words to how great he is, how awesome he is, how magnificent he is. So that's why we sing and we worship in the spirit realm. Come on now. Because we honor God and we're not afraid of that. We're not ashamed of that in any way. Come on now. Because the enemy is always hindering. The enemy is always smothering that whole aspect of life out. And so that's just point number one that I want to share. But this is what I mean. The word lest Satan get an advantage over us. It literally means to overreach, to deprive of right, to deprive of money, to deprive of property by fraud, by deceit. He's trickery. He's sharp. He's a breach of confidence. He perpetrates for profit or gain by unfair and dishonest advantage. But his ultimate goal is to have the highest share of your life. Come on, church. Okay, so this is why you have to understand this series on adversity runners, because if you don't, you're just going to be prey to everything that the enemy does. I thought they did a great job on the presence of God and disobedience when they shared about the life of Jonah, but a lot of believers are disobedient when it comes to the life in the spirit. And they live by carnal means and not by the spirit things. So the word devices speaks of the strategies of the enemy. It speaks about a plan or a scheme for affecting a purpose, a plan. It speaks of a method of acting, doing or proceeding. It speaks about a system in doing anything or a series of maneuvers over strategies. Now, the best way that I could describe that is the thing that I've learned about the enemy over many, many years is when people get tired. Come on now. Whether they've had a physical thing, they just get a little tired. They get, they get weary. Come on. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. So apparently, weariness, tiredness is a part of life. But Jesus said, don't run from me, but come to me. Amen? And so the enemy wants to wear us down. He wants to accuse. And this is how he does it. He hurdles the thought of failure. He hurdles the thought of, 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 of a mistake that you made, of something. To, and he just hurdles it against your mind over and over and over till he wears you down mentally, till he wears you down emotionally. So what? You're at a place of breaking. Come on now. And that's when he actually launches his whole strategy and his whole plan. But when you're building yourself up daily in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, how many know you're not weak now? He can't just come and break into your life. Okay? So this is what you need to understand about this adversary. And then I'll start the message. This is just a prelude to it. All right? Okay? You need to understand that Satan is called in the scripture the father of lies. Okay? Remember what Jesus said, you are of your father, the to the religious leaders of that day, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Come on. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources or from the inside, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay. So let me just give you an example of some of the lies that the enemy would bring. If you were righteous, you wouldn't do what you're doing. Okay? If you were a child of God, then you wouldn't behave exactly that way. And so what he wants you to get focused on is off of his righteousness and onto yourself. Come on. Because once you focus on yourself, there's no victory in yourself. Your only victory you have is by the Spirit inside of you. Come on now. That's not making, a, that's not making excuses for wrong behaviors. But we are transformed daily from glory to glory by his spirit. Amen. So the writer says, awake to righteousness. Think about this. And sin not. Have you ever thought that the sin issue inside of your life is directly parallel with not understanding your righteousness? Because understanding your righteousness now releases you into the place of the authority that God's given you. And the faith that God's given you to be stirred up. Come on now. Amen. So awake, and literally the word awake is like there's a fire that's burning all around. Awake to righteousness and sin not. The two go parallel. This is another strategy that the enemy, well, you just don't fit in. You just, you know, I just don't, you know, I go to church, I just don't feel like I, I fit in. Come on now. Well, it's not a matter about fitting in. We're all different parts to the puzzle that God has. We're called the body of Christ. Amen. 
So different parts have different functions and don't ever try to be like someone else. Comparison and competition are the power twins of hell. So many people say, well, I want to be like him or I want to be like, no, you be the man, you be the woman that God made you to be because the gift mix that you have would be different than the gift mix that I have. But we need the whole body working together, all doing our part because everybody in here has a responsibility. Well, you know, I just, you know, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't have a church. I just go wherever I want to be. That's really great. You know, I'm, I'm really so happy that you said that. Why? So I could just blow the lie out and tell what God says. God says, well, look at how quiet it just got. Not forsaking the assembling together as a matter of some is, and all the more so as the day of the Lord approaches. I don't know about you, but the day of the Lord is, is coming closer today than when I first believed 50 years ago. Amen? And, and, and so the day of the Lord, he says, all the more so we need to be connected with the ligaments. We need to be connected with the joint. We need to be connected to people. And if you have something against somebody, you need to work that out. Amen? And the Bible says, as much as lieth in you, live peacefully with all people. Amen? I've learned over the years that some people don't want peace because they have war in their heart. And if they have war in their heart, they're of a different spirit. It's of a different kingdom. Satan is the, is the one that's got war in his heart against the kings, against the saints. Amen? Not God. We have love in our hearts towards one another. That's why we want peace. That's why we want to work. Can you say amen? Good preaching. But Satan lies against your identity. What was the first temptation that the enemy brought? He said, if thou be the son of God, turn these bread, this stones into bread. He, he questioned his very identity of the son of God. And if you don't understand it, this, that was all given. Three of the four gospels speak about the temptation of the evil one. Okay, for what purpose out there? To show you and I the temptations that we're going to go through. So if he gets you stuck on your identity, you're done. Okay, if you're in an identity crisis, which many seem to be going through today in, in, inside of their life, how, how many know that crisis will lead into a crisis of faith on the inside of them that could actually crash if we don't understand the identity of who we've made us? The Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. A chosen generation, come on now, that we should show forth the praises. It's not speaking of a worship service, folks. It's speaking of the glorious attributes of God that he's already invested and imparted inside you. So, so what does he say? That we are a kingdom now that has the attributes of God, and he wants to display those attributes of God in the earth today. So the father of lies will tell you, you're anything but a believer. You're anything than this. Come on. And why serve God? It doesn't pay to serve God. Why give your tithe? It doesn't pay. I, 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 I want to tell you, whenever the enemy lies to you against them, you don't yield to that in your mind. You go back to what the Word of God has to say. He's hurling lies against your mind all the time. And then, you know, I, I don't need to be under any authority of any kind. I just believe I just go wherever the Spirit leads me to go. That sounds really, really good. But, but God is the one that put the authority structure in the church, not Rick. Not Pastor Brian, amen? So I don't know about you, but we all need authority in our life. We all need pastors in our life, amen? We all need the five-fold ministry gifts in our life. For what area? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We'll never come into unity and come into the knowledge, the revelation knowledge of God, until we understand there's a line of authority, amen? Authority is there to protect, authority is to preserve. And there's so many people in the body of Christ that, you know, they, they, they have no protection in the spiritual realm. Okay, because they're not under authority. You know, when I travel, and Kathy and I do extensive traveling, we have three individuals that are directly over us in our traveling ministry. I can tell you, you know, who they are. Chris down in Carolina, many of you never even met him, but he knows and is connected with me in our international ministries and a lot of the places we go. He knows he's... So we put him as one of those leaders, apostolic covering. And then we also have, listen very carefully, Dave McGrew. Come on now. So if there's a personal issue or something, I can share with him. He's a seasoned leader that has been in this longer than I have. Can you say amen? These are people. Pastor Howie is on our board uh, for Rick for Can Ministry, along with three other men in there. So, so this is a protection mechanism that we have put in for our lives. For our, and Randy Nielsen's the other one that has put in for a covering, for a protection. And our local church, thank God for there's a protection here, amen, that prays for us, believes along with us. And so, so to me, 
I would never want to be outside of authority. And, and I can tell you this here. Authority is not there to abuse you. Authority is not to take advantage of you, to steal, to kill or destroy your life, to paralyze your life, or to hold you back. It's not for there. And when Pastor Howie teaches on this in, in a few months to come, you need to be in there if you have any struggle with authority. Because there's such a spirit today that is anti-God, that anti-authority. Amen? Okay, uh, the next thing you need to just understand is Satan is there to blind our mind. This is how this adversary works today. The Bible says over there in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So in our prayer for you is that the veils, the scales, the blinders over your life spiritually would be removed so that when you receive the engrafted word, it's able to deliver. That was written to the believers, to deliver and to preserve your soul. Amen? But if you don't understand how this blinder works, there's truths to the word of God that God wants to release. Truths that we're even sharing today on, on spiritual warfare. Truths that we're speaking about the war that we're in today. And you know what? I've, I, I don't know how to say this one other than to be pretty blunt. Most believers don't even understand that we're in a real war. Can, can you say amen? Okay. How can you ever overcome if you don't even know you're in a real war. Okay, how, how can that ever win? And, and, and who our real enemy is, and to win the war, we must know what kind of a war we are in. We are in a war of control in the spirit realm, which will manifest into this natural realm. And your weapons that you have with inside this war, to win the war, you need to know that there's basic principles of the war that we're in today. If there are no principles in the world, no natural principles, then, then how can you function in natural laws? Just like there are supernatural principles. I, I want to tell you, giving is a supernatural principle. Forgiving is a supernatural principle. And thanksgiving is a supernatural principle, okay? And to win the war, we must know what the enemy's strategies are. I'm trying to give them to you right now. If you don't even know what the stratagems of the enemy is, then how can you be an adversity runner and overcome and win in the time of challenge? Come on. Is anybody learning anything? Everybody just stand up for a moment, okay? And tell your neighbor these last few. I'll just give you them quickly. To win the war, tell your neighbor, you must know where the battlefield is. Point and say, it's in your head. Okay. If you know, then tell them to win the war. You must understand the spiritual weapons that defeats the enemy. The blood of Jesus. Come on. The praise and worship. The shout. Intercession. Supplication. Prayer. The name of Jesus. The believer's authority. Faith movement, thanksgiving, giving, and forgiving. Those are your spiritual arsenal. Get to know every one of those in the war, and you'll win the war. And then I'll, go, I'll give you a couple more. To win the war, we must know how to use the effect of the weapons effectively. Amen? Amen? The Bible says, in everything, not for it, but in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. That's a, Thanksgiving is a is, is a spiritual weapon. Come on now. Let me tell you, the blood of the cross is a spiritual weapon. All right? And then number nine, I'll give you this here. When to win the war, we must know that we fight from the place of victory. The decree is already spoken of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and everybody said amen. Okay, now I'm almost ready to start the message, and I'm looking at the time, okay? You can be seated once again, all right? Okay? Now here's the next one that you need to understand. Satan is the one that brings sickness and disease. Come on now. How many know there's no sickness in the garden? There's no disease in the garden. And we don't know how long exactly they were there. We know when the recorded from the fall of man was there. But they could have been there a long, long time. And that's another whole message for another time. I'm not going to develop that this morning over here. But Satan's the one. Jesus said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and, come on, power who went about doing good, come on, and healing all that were what? Oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So depression is not from God. Oppression is not from God. Come on now. Heaviness is not from God. The Bible says, put on the garments of praise 
for the spirit of heaviness. The Bible says God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Is that not right? Okay. So anyway, so we have to go. Peter was summarizing. This is the apostle Peter that summarized the work of Jesus over in Acts 10. How God anointed. And guess what? The same God that anointed Jesus is the same God that anointed you and I today. And what are we supposed to do? Go about doing good. And what else? We're supposed to heal. We're supposed to relieve. We're supposed to cast out devils. We're supposed to see those heavinesses go. And all those phobias go. And all the anxieties go. And all the cares go. Come on now. And all the sicknesses go. So we have to speak it and believe it on the inside and then decree it with our mouths. Very quickly, uh, the tempter in Matthew 4, 1, then was Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness and it says to be tempted of the devil. Is that what the Bible teaches? Come on. So we understand that he's a tempter. How does he tempt us? He tempts us with the lust of the eyes. Come on now. The pride of life. Come on. The worldly, the, the lures that come in. So he's known as the tempter. And then the next one is he's called the accuser. Remember that uh, we, we saw this here when Peter, and I'm trying to stay focused with Peter and use him as an example today. It says, hmm, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. Literally, he wants to probe you. He wants to check out what's going on. You've made some strong statements, Peter, and he wants to probe you to check out. But Jesus said, I prayed. Notice he didn't pray that the adversary would go away. He said, I prayed that your faith would not fail and that when you're turned around, you're going to encourage and you're going to strengthen the brethren. Is that not right? And so if we have an understanding of this here, if he came to tempt Peter, guess what? He's going to tempt you today. Okay, and he's going to lure you. But the biggest thing he wants you to get is distracted from the presence of God. He'll make you so preoccupied with the cares and the things of this world that you miss the whole purpose about the eternal world that we live in today. So there's so much more we could say about these here things, but that's how this accuser works. The accuser will laugh at you to make you think that you're doing something wrong or something ridiculous when you're not. Come on now. The accuser will actually despise you and look down upon you and make you think that you're lower than you really are rather than that you have a crown of glory and a crown of honor upon your head. And what is man that thou art mindful of? This is what God says. And he has crowned you with glory and he's crowned you with honor. Come on now. He's accepted you into his family. He's made you a new creation. Those are the areas where your focus needs to be on today. The accuser will question what you're doing and try to get you to raise the questions of, of, of what you're doing legitimate today. And so you got to understand how this whole operation of the accuser. And the enemy will always be there to remind you of your failures. He'll kind of, and, and he'll act like, you know, something that happened 30 years ago like it happened today, you know. And he'll just keep assaulting your mind. Why? Because he wants to wear you down. He wants you to live in, as Kathy's taught this here, in the land of what could have been, would have been, or should have been. Okay? We all have our could have been, would have been, or should have been. But, you know, that's in our past. We can't change things. But let's build the future for God and go in the right way. Amen? Now, I'm just about ready to get started here. Okay. Is everybody ready? All right. So let me just go here. Put everything aside. Everybody stand up. Okay? And just said, promotion for your life, for your future, is always on the other side of a challenge. Daniel will tell you that. Shadrach will tell you that. Meshach will tell you that. Bendigo will tell you that. Jesus will tell you that. Paul will tell you that. Peter will tell you that. Jude will tell you that. And all the other writers will tell you. And David will really tell you that. Amen. Okay, so now I'm ready to start, okay? You can be seated. Turn up, and I know Sarah's got this in the PowerPoint. I had to give you an introduction so you have an understanding of where we're going with Peter, all right? So in the book of James, to me, is one of the pastoral epistles that's in the Bible, along with uh, Second Revelations chapter 1 to 3. They're all for pastors, because he speaks about to the church at Smyrna, to the church at Ephesus, all part of those there, as well as Acts chapter 20. Uh, the whole thing of 1 Peter chapter 5 is a whole chapter there about speaking to leadership and elders. But in James chapter 1, now I want to break it down on the blessings of affliction. 
Why is it that we have these afflictions in the earth? Can't we just pray that God would just remove them out there? Well, I did share this with you the last time I was here. It said the more that they afflicted the children of Israel, come on, the more they grew and they multiplied. This is in Exodus 1.12. So, so the more that things hit you, the more the opportunity, there's springboards to bring you into the greatness that God has. God's not the one that sends it, but there's an attitude that you must have that we're going to talk about right now. It says over here, God blesses. Let's, let's read this here. Blessed is the man, everybody, come on, who endures what? Temptation, the same word, affliction, others says trials, hardships. For when he has been approved, go ahead, keep going, he will receive, come on, the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love. How many want to receive the crown of life? Okay, it's a crown of honor. Now listen, that crown only comes to those that endure, to those that persevere. And the context is through afflictions, difficulty, and challenging times. Amen? So let's go on to the next verse. We're going to go right to 18 over here. Let no, come on, let no one say when he is tempted, come on, I am tempted by God. In other words, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow that? Why did you permit? Come on now. And then the enemy's got you right there because he wants you to get mad at God. Let's get to that second part. I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted, come on, by what? Evil. God will never tempt you to do evil. God's not a bad God. Come on now. And then it says over there, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted. When are we tempted? Come on. When he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. In other words, listen carefully. There's, there's, there's all things that we have inside that are not right. And there's desires that are there, come on, that entice us. They bait us. They're out there. Pastor Dave is so much better on fishing than I am. And he can tell you all about the bait that Satan uses. Amen? Okay. And then, then I got to be careful. Satan is the master at baiting people. Okay. I said it right. Okay. <laughs> then when desire, come on, has conceived, it gives what? Birth to what? to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So listen, this is how the whole thing starts. It starts with the thought. You ponder on that thought long enough, you receive that thought. There's a point of reset. Before you ever sin, you just don't go out and sin. It started in your mind with the thought. Okay, you pondered on it long enough, you gave conception to that thing, and that's what birthed the sin. Come on. That leads to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Keep going, brethren. Come on, say it with me. Every good gift and every perfect gift, where does it come from? From above. And where does it come? Comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning of his own. So if you don't understand that, every good gift comes from the Father of life. The implication is not the bad gift. It's not the bad things in life that are happening to your life. Did you catch that? If God's a good God, that means he's not a bad God. If God's a just God, then he can't be unjust. If God's a forgiving God, he can't hold resentment towards you. All right? So these are just the uh, things that we need to understand. So that is how the enemy gets in over there in our life. The crown of life, listen, speaks about the victor in the races out there that runs it. And they put the wreath crown over his head for the victory that he has. Okay? So the next thing that I want you to understand is the spiritual benefits of afflictions, of challenges, of troubles, of all the things that you face. You all know this here verse, and I'll just quote one of them off the top. Many. Everybody say many. If you don't believe the Bible, then don't read it. Okay, because the Bible says many are the afflictions of who? Of the righteous. So, so let me tell you why troubles come. Okay, can I tell you why troubles come? Troubles come one of three reasons. Okay, troubles come because you're doing something right. Amen. How many know whenever you're on the pathway with God, and starting to connect with God, starting to get your prayer life disciplined, starting to be sober, starting to be vigilant. How many know you're doing something right? Okay. You're working at being changed from glory to glory by God's spirit. How many know troubles will come? Troubles will come because you're hearing the word of God. 
Okay, so many are the afflictions, the challenges, the temptation, the difficulties of the righteous. But, come on now, a conjunctive verse, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Your focus is never to be on the trials. Your focus is to be, okay, God, there's deliverance coming my way. There's deliverance that's available. And I'm going to see the second part of this verse happen inside of my life. Okay, the Lord doesn't deliver you out of some but he delivers you out of them all, and that's a promise you should have on your refrigerator for the righteous. Okay? So everybody, look at your neighbor and say, many are the afflictions. All right? So here's another benefit of this, and i got to go through these quickly. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, the Apostle Paul said, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, how many can say, thank God that when I'm weak, I'm strong? Now, that's not natural weakness. That's spiritual strength. That's spiritual. When you're weak, what do you do? You cry out to God. You ask God for his strength. Amen? And God will give you that their strength. The next one, and, and I'm just going to have to really move over here. Affliction is what stirs us up to pray and keeps us depending on God. Crying out to God in prayer. Crying out to God in supplication. Crying out to God in our intercession time is all in prayer. Psalm 25, 14. Just listen for a moment. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him, and he teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of the enemies. Did you hear that, what I just said? He always rescues me from the traps of the enemies. So he's not denying that there's traps, there's snares, there's bait that the enemy wants us to get into. But he said, the Lord rescues me out of all the troubles of the enemy. Okay? And he says, turn to me. And then, then he says, turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. And my problems go from bad to worse. Anybody ever been there? Come on. And he said, oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my troubles. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced. For in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me. For I put my hope in you. Oh God, ransom Israel from all his troubles. So what's he saying out there? Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in the church. Our hope is not in a person. But our hope is in the Son of God and the promises of God are yes and amen. That's why we need to receive them. That's why we need to decree them. And as you decree them, so it's established here in the earth. You need to understand the ability. You know, when you, you speak about this, there's creative power inside of your tongue. Amen? Some of you have built strongholds of darkness inside your mind because you've created the things that you feared, and they've become a part of your life today. But we're not here to fear, man. We're not here to fear failure. We're not here to face, to, to, to fear the unknown. We're to face them with the spirit of confidence and a spirit of faith that is not in man, but it's in God himself. The writer said the truth. Troubles come. He's going to rest. Why? Because he knew where his hope. And hope was not just wishing and hoping something's going to happen. But it's a confident expectation that my deliverance, my freedom, my rescue is coming my way. Amen. And then the writer goes on and he says, this is what you need to understand. Afflictions and troubles. Uh, let, let me just be very honest. Most of you wouldn't even be here today if there wasn't something that drove you to God. Come on. There's some that it happens differently, but, but most people are here in church because something happened in their life. They were in a hardship in their life. I remember, and he's watching today, Pastor Brian Travail, and, and the hardship that he was in when I first met him out there. And I believe that drove him to God, and now he's in him and Karen are fulfilling the destiny and the mandate that God has for their life. Amen? So in Psalm 119.71 and 2, it says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Come on. This is the writer. If you want to take it up, argue with God, that's fine, okay? But David's writing, he said, hey, it's good for me. If something's good, it's advantageous for me. It's something that's going to benefit my life. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes, okay? The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Come on. 
In other words, what I learn from those there is drawing to God in the afflictions and the difficult. My walk with God gets closer. It's not more distant. Come on. But we can go on that. The New Living Translation said, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees, and your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. And everybody said amen. So this is the one I want to just focus in on for a moment over here. I see my time's winding down. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you all to get a hold of this here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. How many know the, the church at Corinth had some major issues? Okay, and Paul addressed them all in, in, in chapter, uh, in, in his first epistle. But in 2 Corinthians, he's now speaking to a more mature audience over here, over time. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says, All praises to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Okay, let's go. Let's read this together. Come on, go to the next verse. We're going to go right down. Come on, who... Comforts us in all our what? Okay, what's tribulation mean? So glad that you asked. It speaks of hardships. It speaks about difficulty. It speaks about the most, the, the moments inside of our life where there's pain. The moments inside of our life there's discomfort. The moments inside of our life where there's anguish. The moments inside of our life where there's grief. That's what that word means. And the word comfort literally means he encourages us. Have you ever thought that the Holy Spirit is your personal guide to your encouragement in your day by walk? Have you ever seen the Holy Spirit, not just the one that you pray in tongues with, not that the one that just lifts the blinders, not the one that just enables you to go through temptation, but the Holy Spirit is your personal encourager. Just like when you go to a gym, you have a personal trainer. Well, the Holy Spirit is your personal encourager today in your life. And so if nobody's there for you, you got somebody that's with you that is a friend that's thinking closer than the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we got to go. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any way in trouble with the comfort that with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let's just keep going down. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Keep going. This gets so good. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for what? Come on, for your consolation and salvation. Keep going. We're going to go right down to 11. I love this. And our hope for, your is, for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolations. Keep going. Isn't this good? Look at the next verse. One more. Keep going down. We're going to go to 11. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 7. We go to 11. Okay, let me break it down so you just have it, okay? What it means is whatever God has brought you through, whatever God has rescued you in, whatever God has delivered you from, it's a lesson that you now learn that you can come alongside somebody else that went through the same hell that you're going through, and you can give them the hope and the encouragement that there's a better day, there's another promise, you're coming out the other side. You're not going to stay in this rut. I'm going to grab you and pull you out of that rut. And we are now used as the encouragement. I look at my daughter, Tara, from many, many years ago, went through some challenging time in the home and now the things that she's learned through her challenges she's able to give to someone out come alongside them and encourage them in their hardship and their pain and their difficulties today amen it's not about me it's not about you but it's about the kingdom now and everybody said amen afflictions prove the reality of god's grace listen to this in psalm 50 verse 14 i'll read the new living Make thankfulness. Everybody say make thankfulness. Everybody stand to your feet because you got to wind down. Look at your neighbor and say make thankfulness. Make thankfulness. Tell them it again. Make thankfulness. What does that mean? Fullness. Thankfulness means full of gratitude. Full of appreciation. Full of thanksgiving. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. 
And then, not before, there's 3,978 thens in the Bible, and it's then, immediately afterwards, call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. Well, the, the last point that I want to bring out, Thanksgiving sanctifies the atmosphere for the purpose and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a language in the Spirit that God connects with. It's a language that opens the pathways of the glory of God to come in. So the suffering, sir, the suffering man, the one that's watching by last year you might go through, it's just the pathway that you're in right now. But gratitude and doing what God said, pay your vow, will be the pathway and the springboard to bring you into the rescue with God, to bring you into the deliverance of God, to bring you into the place of confidence in God, and your life will never be the same. Amen? Let's be men and women of thanksgiving today, and let's see the enemy who for who he really is. Let's recognize who he is and what he has and what he can do. But you'll never recognize who he is and what he has and what he can do until you recognize who you are and what you have and what you can do. Because who you are is the child of God. What you have is the arsenal of heaven. And what you can do do is unlimited in the kingdom advancing. Amen. And then you have an understanding of who your father is, what he has, and what he can do. And everybody said, amen. amen. I hope you learned something today. Have the best day of your life. We love and appreciate you all. And you that are watching by live if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, open the door of your heart today. Put him number one in your life. Repent of your sin and start a new day with God. God bless you all. Thanks for coming to church. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the After Nine Show. My name is Sarah Quinlan, and we just had Pastor Rick delivering the part, I believe it's part five, of the Adversity Runner series on affliction. So we really love having Pastor Rick here. Today was a little bit different of a day, but um, we're really excited to be able to uh, worship together and celebrate together. So if you're joining us on live stream and you've never maybe heard of our church or never tuned in before, um, have a good day, Christians. <laughs> then, uh, then we were happy to have you. So what we would normally do is the After Nine show will be me and one of our pastors just discussing something that stood in our hearts today or something that was like a, a key moment for us. So I'm, I believe Pastor Dave Fistanese is going to be joining me in just a moment. Um, but until then, I'll talk about a few of the things um, we were we were laughing, me and Xander and I, at the, uh, in the back during media, we were talking about how many times do you believe that Peter messed up? And so Pastor Rick said, I guess 16, but Pastor Rick said, wait, Pastor Rick said 16, right Xander? Yeah, and I said 15, but um, Xander and I were laughing, we were like, it's probably way more, it's probably way more than that. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we'll have to talk to Pastor Rick about that after, but uh, it's just funny, because I think, like, if I had documented proof of every time I messed up, like, what about the times where I was, <laughs> wasn't there, right? So, um, it's pretty great, though. We love, love having Pastor Rick preach the message, and um, it's always really encouraging when I'm touching on affliction. You know, just the things in our own lives that we need to be able to um, just stay in tune with and connect with um, to just to see like, you know, like I, I read a verse at the beginning of um, service today that talks about if you can't run against men, how will you race against the horses? And I really feel like that's kind of been our thing with this whole adversity runner series is whenever uh, affliction is thrown your way or, or you know, the, the trial of disobedience or guilt and shame or fear and safety, when those kind of things are, are thrown your way, are they going to throw you for a curveball or are they going to propel you into new opportunities to be able to experience things in a greater degree? Right? So um, it's, been really, it's been really exciting. I really love the Adversity Runners series. And I think, um, I think moving forward, I'm really excited to see. I believe there's still one more week that we have with Pastors Brian and Sherry. Um, but I might see if I can get... Okay, perfect. I was going to say, I might see if maybe someone else could pop on. Um, but Shane's going to talk, get Pastor Dave for us. So um, I know Pastor Dave had a lot from last week's message as well. We touched on Jonah last week. So I'm excited to hear what he has for us today. He always has lots of little tidbits. Um, so, yeah. So... <laughs> Okay, great. Um, when it comes to affliction, I feel like um, Pastor Stephen and I were laughing about it before because he said, who's preaching today? I said, oh, Pastor Rick. And he goes, oh, what's his message on? I said, oh, it's adversity runners, affliction. Thank you, Shane. 
and he just starts laughing. He's like, okay, so we're going to really need to pray for Pastor Rick today because he's had it rough this week. I said, you know what? I don't think this is his first rodeo. Um, when it comes to the topic of affliction, things tend to get shaky. And Pastor Rick had some pretty good heavy hitters for us today. Hey, look who it is. Hey, how are you? Good. How are all right, you? we're live. Come on in. We're live? Yes, sir. I didn't get a hug yet. I, I oh, okay. can't give right. a hug. All right. I love you. Easy payment. Come close. Yeah. Come okay. up here. Okay, so what did you get out of the message today, Pastor Dave? Any any hot takes? Any pointers? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know, I wish I could have recorded it all so I could go Hey, go guess over. what? We uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. Because it just, it just so many things going flash, 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 back, you know? Yeah. But the, the one thing that really sticks to my mind yeah. are many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers them out of them all. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so sometimes you think you're going through a problem and you think that your problem is, is you know, the worst problem in the world. That's no one right. else is going through that problem. And you think that, you know, you're the only one that's got this and yeah. you're not going to make it through. Yeah. <laughs> that's what a lot of us think at times. But you know what? God knows what you're going through. Yes. And he's got an answer for you. And he'll send somebody 2,000 miles away to bring you an answer. Yes. Did I tell you about that once? No, I don't know. Uh, I was going through a trial at my church when I was first saved. And uh, I didn't think anybody knew what I was going through. And I didn't, I didn't know where to turn. And the pastor said, we're bringing in a new uh, speaker this weekend or this week. And her name was Gladie Dearden. And she was oh. from Saskatchewan or something. She's an older lady. Yeah. And I said, that's all I need is... A woman preacher. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, wasn't very nice in those days. You know, I'm still learning. But she came, and I went to shake her hand up front of the church, you know, just to say hello. Yeah. And as I got about that far from her, I, I almost buckled. I, it, the presence of God was so yeah. strong. She was praying up at the front by herself. Yeah. She started to preach, and I'm telling you, every word was just for me. Wow. So God sent someone 2,000 men. She said that, uh, you know, I have to come. She told my pastor, I have to come. Yeah. God's told me to go. I don't want no money. I don't want you to pay for my ticket. I have to go. Wow. Can you imagine that? Just for you. Yeah. And that's the way God is. Yeah. He'll deliver you yeah. from whatever you're going through. You might think you're going through something unique or something very difficult. Yeah. I'm telling you, God's got an answer. And he's got a messenger coming to you to give you an answer yeah. and to help you through your time. I love that, Pastor Dave. Yeah, so, hey, hey, hey. hey, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. Yes, <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, the Bible doesn't uh, tiptoe around real things, right? It says, many are the afflictions, but the Lord yeah, delivers them out of all. Delivers I, them all, right? I said this to, to my, I said this to a friend one time yeah. who said he was going to go into ministry. Okay. And I said this to him. I said, I've often heard you talk about the devil yeah. and say that he's under your feet. And what I said to him was, you don't know the devil and you don't know the wiles and the tricks that he has. And you don't know the pressure that he can put on your life. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, when you choose to go into ministry, He's going to unleash all hell at you. Yeah. And you're going to see a different side of the devil that you never knew existed. Yeah. You're not even going to know how he plays in the, in the field of persecution. But I'm going to, you're going to know. You're going to know. You're going to, that's right. That's the devil. He attacks yeah. the weakest link. When you decide to go into ministry, he will attack the weakest link in your home. Whether it be you, your wife, or child. And he'll cause problems in that area that will just get you right off your focus. Yeah. Because he doesn't want you to fulfill your call in God's world, in God's kingdom. Can I can I ask you a controversial question before sure. we wrap up? Sure. What did you think about Pastor Rick's statement how he said that some people don't believe that the devil even exists? <laughs> I don't know how you could be a Christian and say that. I don't believe the devil... I, I realized there was a devil right after I got saved. I, what's all this coming from? Yeah. You know, he, just, he, he unleashes everything he can. Yeah. He doesn't want you to be the person that God's got you designed to be. Yeah. He don't want you to see that. 
Yeah. He wants you to see all the crap he throws at you. You know, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and like things about um, just like what's going on in the world, what's trending, whatever. Mm. And um, there was one I was listening to and it said, I, I know we're wrapping up, but it said that our world has become over spiritualized. Like everyone's looking for spiritual elements in some degree, whether it's through tarot cards or witchcraft or tea yes. leaves. Yes. Someone's like people yeah. are hungry for the spiritual. But in that sense it's diluting what we believe as christians in oh, the yeah. world because for for everyone else it's just another thing yeah. right but when it comes pastor rick touched on it a little bit today that the people believe that some people believe that we're not even in a war that there's no battle mm. there's nothing happening mm. and I, I just really i implore you i encourage you to really read your bible on this stuff because if you start to believe that, then the enemies, you're right in his foothold. You're, you're already beaten. <laughs> yeah, you're already there. Because yeah. if you don't believe there's a war, then what are you fighting for? Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing, you know, what, what's the point? Yeah, right? absolutely correct. What do you think, Pastor Absolutely Dave? correct. I agree with you 100%. Last, last thoughts in closing? Last thought in closing. Um, uh, many of the afflictions of the <laughs> many. Yes. That's a powerful word. Yeah. Lots. Yeah. The devil's got lots of afflictions to come your way. You don't even have an idea right. in your mind what they could be yet, yeah. but you'll recognize them. As you get used to what he does, you'll recognize them and you'll have an, God will have an answer for yes. you. And you're not the loser. You're the winner. Yes. You know, many so. are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers us. Yeah. God delivers us out of them all. Out Couple of them, of them all. Out of, it doesn't say out of just a few. A couple? No. no. All one? Of them. Just one? All of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. That's great. That's so encouraging for us. Well, we had a really good service today. I really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed it. Yep. And we hope you join us tomorrow at 7.30 on live. Wait, no, it's not. It's at 6.30 now. Whoops. <laughs> Don't come at 7.30 because we'll be gone. <laughs> on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, whatever you want. And we'll see you at the Lighthouse tomorrow. And we hope you have the best Sunday of your life. Don't forget, next week we're starting classes. Yes. Next week we're starting the September 10th. September 10th. 10th. Okay, I'm sorry. So not next week, but the, the week, week after. after yes. We're going to be starting classes. Pastor Dave's starting the first course that we have dedicated. Yes, yes. amen. So we'll see you Sunday, September 10th for dedicated. Yeah. God bless you all. <laughs> have a great day. Love you. <laughs>